Our scripture reading this morning comes from uh, Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 to 6. I'll be reading from the New International Version. Uh, Genesis 39, starting in verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're having a good start to your long weekend. We've been uh, starting with this story of Joseph, and and we're going to be continuing through the summer, and so we really hope that uh, you will join us as much as possible and and really just dive in deeper into Joseph's story. Uh, The story of Joseph, as I'm reading it, and and, and I've read it a bunch of times, but I'm really trying to just slow down and, and just get into... Joseph and, and, and try to just go at it from the perspective of not knowing how it's going to end. And so that's my, that's my perspective with this message, uh, for the most part. Um, but I, I, I really find that the story of Joseph is a story much like our own in the sense that our story really is never just our own. The story of Joseph contains so many other people who are involved from family to slave traders and more. Today I want to look closely at the story of Joseph in the opening portion of Genesis 39, but but as we go through it, I want to really begin by examining scripture from the angle of reading it like you find yourself in a dance. Allow it to guide our discussion to, to take that first step and, and lead us in this dance. And let us guide us onwards as we, as we respond, pause, reflect, see how this is moving and shaping and continue onwards to the fullness of the dance that it is wanting to complete. Or rather, the fullness of what, it, what God is actually wanting to say to us today. This is one of my favorite things about Scripture. It is alive and active. God is still speaking to us today. When we are, when we are reading the Bible, we're not just reading words on a page, but rather we are encountering the living God in this text. He is the one that we find ourselves responding to in a live and active present God. And as we examine the scriptures, I pray that we get lost in the dance with God that we find ourselves in this morning. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the fact that your word is alive and active. 
that when we read it, we're not just reading words on a page or, or, or anything like that. We are actually hearing from you and the way that you have been guiding the story of history and how it is pointing towards Jesus and how Jesus came and, and how it is still pointing towards Jesus and his return. So God, I, I pray as we examine Joseph's story just a little bit more that we would hear from you what you want to say to us this morning through the story of Joseph and what you want to say to us about our life and how we are actually found in the story of Joseph as well. We pray this in your name. Amen. So last Sunday, uh, we were left with this story of Joseph on this brutal journey. He, he is sold to slavers, uh, by the, his brothers. They are now left, his brothers, uh, they're, they're left to deal with the consequences of selling their brother. Their dad, as we left off last week, he is mourning. And all the family is gathered around and, and they're trying to console their father. And I find it, it, it's so interesting and, and so absurd that even the brothers who did this deed, who, who are the people who actually sold off Joseph, they're even trying to console their dad. And, and they're probably even trying to continue this absurd ruse of, of that Joseph died and all they found was this bloody coat. It's, it's just crazy. And I know that even in the midst of them trying to help out their dad and, and cheer him up, that the weight of what has happened is probably starting to weigh on them. That they did this thing to their brother. And Reuben, the eldest brother, who was the only brother with a right head on, protected Joseph from being killed by his brothers. He even now has to bear the burden of knowing maybe he didn't do enough to look after his little brother. And yet our story isn't focused on on them. It, it continues to be focused on Joseph. Joseph, who is probably feeling betrayed, alone, and abandoned, begins his journey with these slavers all the way to Egypt. And, and man, I, I can't even imagine how he felt. Because at the end of his trip, he is bought, paid for, and Joseph is now owned. The son who was once so loved is found in the middle of a personal horror story. I mean, right? How, how would you respond in that moment? This is at least what I would interpret in the passages between pa where Pastor Adam left off last week and where we pick up today. The first thing that we read about is how Joseph, like I said, finds himself in Egypt. And not a short trip, by the way, seeing how his family settled near Canaan. That is a long journey, especially by probably wagon. That trip would have taken a lot of time, and that is a lot of time for Joseph to process everything that had just happened. We would rightly assume that Joseph feels very alone, and in fact, he is. He is very alone, and today we really pick off the heels of last week's message. Joseph is feeling very alone. 
One of the things that God's Word does so well is that it speaks right to the heart of the human condition. Because I, I know for, for a lot of us, we can feel so alone sometimes. And we can be so alone sometimes. And we can feel like we are the only one that, that is going through what we are going through. And we can also feel and be so betrayed uh, by the people that we trust and hold so closely and think in our wildest dreams they would never do that. And honestly, if we read this portion of Joseph and, and we stopped and we closed this book and we said, man, that's a, that's a really sad story. That's a really depressing story. I, I don't know why it's in Scripture. We would miss what God's about to do. But I think so often that, that is where we find ourselves, or that's where we find close loved ones or, or friends and, and they've bought into the lie that that is where they are and they are stuck. And, and we can feel that way too sometimes. And if that is where we left this story and that is where we left our friends or, or our story, we would have bought the lie. The lies of the enemy that would love nothing better than to say that God's word is so far removed from what is going on in our life that it has no power to say anything to us. That this book, the Bible, is just a fictitious book full of myths and stories that people have just written. And and, and it holds no truth or application or hope. And it for certain isn't God-inspired. It's what a lot of people believe about the Bible. But here, in the middle of Joseph's plight, we find the best interruption that we could hope to find in this story. And yet, at the same time, maybe in our story for some of us today. In the New Testament, Paul loves to use this phrase, and in in fact, it is coded throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is a phrase that defines Scripture, gives life to humanity, it restores hope in an instant, and breathes life to dry bones. That phrase is, but God. But God. Even in a story like Joseph, we leave off With this hopeless little boy of 17 being sold into slavery, eventually bought by an Egyptian official, he, we would say, would have no real true reason to keep on going. He is abandoned. He is betrayed and left to go and work for a foreign person in a foreign land. We wouldn't blame him if he gave up. In fact, we would just say, of course he did. Of course he wouldn't actually work for someone. He was too spoiled by love. A son who was literally covered in the best clothes that could be bought. By a father who passionately loved his mom that he worked for 20 years for his father-in-law so that he could marry this beloved lady. And that, oh yeah, that was before working previously the same amount of time for Rachel's older sister. This Joseph, 
that we read about is so beloved by his father, he is spoiled. I mean, even his work, it consisted of, as far as we know, of spying on his brothers while they were doing real hard work. His brothers were from the older sister, and so Joseph is Rachel's firstborn son. So why would Joseph, who probably has never really worked or never really done a whole lot to really earn anything, really work for Potiphar? Why would he really try and work for Potiphar and even really know how to do what was being put before him to do by his owner? In verse 2 of Genesis 39, we get the answer. It is God who interrupts the story out of nowhere. It is a but God kind of moment that happens. It is but God that we start to see Joseph thrive. We see the work of his hands turn everything to gold for his owner. Joseph is very much so not alone. And that is the beautiful nature of this story. The Lord is with Joseph. And what we soon find out is where the presence of the Lord is, there is great blessing. So Joseph works and and his work prospers. And he does such great work that he gets noticed and brought to live with Potiphar. And make no mistake about this, this is just the beginning of God's blessing in Joseph's life. As we continue to read our passage, Joseph continues to work and his work continues to be blessed by the Lord. Little by little. Actually, huge chunk by huge chunk because he eventually starts running over the entire business from his master. He takes over running it because, again, whatever Joseph puts his hands to, it just turns to gold. This eventually culminates with the master really only having to worry about what to eat. Because as for his estate, as for everything else that really he should be looking after, Joseph, he's got it. Joseph is making everything prosper and grow so amazingly well that the manager, the owner, is just like, I get to chill. <laughs> this section of, Christ, uh, of Scripture on Joseph working and being blessed by God, that whatever he does turns out perfectly, I believe has to do with Joseph's faithfulness. Let me, let me explain why. You see, one thing that we don't necessarily read, and I, and I purposely left out of our opening summary of Joseph's story, is that he never really was alone. Even if we see this alone boy being betrayed, being abandoned, all this kind of stuff, Joseph, his story is full of God's presence in his life. He never really, truly was alone. No doubt Joseph's childhood was full of his parents telling him about God. And maybe even Jacob told him about how he wrestled with God and got renamed Israel. These stories of God, I imagine, built up Joseph's faith. That even in the midst of what we would call a time of despair that Joseph was facing, and rightly so, he probably had faith that maybe God was up to something. Or at the very least, that God was with him. And he was. 
God was with Joseph. And when Joseph gets in, put into the situation that where he has to start working for Potiphar, not only is Joseph faithful in doing the work that's being put before him and where God has actually placed him, he begins to be blessed by God. We begin to see the blessing of God in Joseph's life more and more. And the more we see Joseph be faithful to do whatever is being put in front of him, the more we see God bless him. God blesses Joseph as he responds to Joseph's faithfulness. You see, Joseph understands something so well for a young man that no matter the circumstance that you do, you do your best. No matter the circumstance that you find yourself in, you do your best. You be faithful in that circumstance. You be faithful in that time. You be faithful with everything that is placed in your life. It doesn't matter if it's necessarily where you want to be or where you don't want to be. You be faithful and do the work that's laid before you to do what God has actually called you to do. God responds to faithfulness with his blessing. And the more that Joseph Joseph is faithful, the more blessing that God pours out on him. The more we reflect on the story, the more we see some of the amazing contrasts that we read in the story of Joseph. And here is one of those kind of dance beats that I want to follow. One of those things that if we just read scripture straight through and we don't actually pause and reflect, we'll miss it. Listen to what God is telling you through the story. And for me, this is what God was pointing out to me as I was studying this passage of Scripture. You see, the story of Joseph, and and I love the story of Joseph, but the way it starts out with, it starts out with the blessing of a father's love on Joseph. A father who is reckless in love of one of his sons. He is irresponsible, creating jealousy in all of his other children. And maybe, we, we don't fully know why, but maybe he sees something in Joseph. Maybe, maybe Joseph reminds him of Rachel. Maybe that's why he loves Joseph so much. But this love which Joseph receives, uh, uh, that Jacob intends as a blessing, turns into a curse for Joseph. It causes friction between the family members and roots Joseph to take the brunt of their frustration. This blessing that Jacob intends for him actually ends up cursing Joseph and lands him in the story that we find out here in our scripture. And in no part of what we read about Joseph do we see Joseph turning to his father at some point and say, Father, I I know that you love me, but this favor and, and blessing is marking me as above everyone else. And they're seeing it as not fair. And they're starting to grumble, and they're starting to get upset, and and really, honestly, it's starting to pain them. It's starting to really hurt them that you love me more and are identifying me as more important than everyone else. It's not fair, it's not right, and it's not something I desire. We don't see that, even a hint of that, in Joseph's story. What we see is Joseph lavishing in it. 
Maybe the treasure that he is seeking is the love and approval of his dad. Maybe he actually enjoys being that much more loved by his dad than everyone else. But we don't know. It's not really said. But we don't read anything of Joseph actually telling his dad, maybe I shouldn't get this coat of many colors. And this love and favor and blessing gets contrasted with chapter 39, verses 1 to 6, which we already read. With the love, favor, and blessing of a heavenly father. It is a blessing that God pours out upon all his children. A love and favor that does not lead to destruction or ruin, but leads to joy and protection and the presence of God in our life. This contrast between a humanly blessing and a heavenly blessing is stark. It is as different as day is from night. God's blessing will always be a true blessing. Seeking his face will bless you versus seeking human approval, love, and etc., which will always leave you eventually empty and wanting more. Storing up your treasures in heaven will lead you to know true blessing in your life. And this is all a choice. It, it, it's a choice for us to live faithfully and respond faithfully in every situation and in every moment. It is an act of choice to seek him first and to do what he is calling us to do. Fingerprinted in Joseph's story is a message A message about God's love and the blessing he pours out and how our response should be faithfulness. In Luke 16, Jesus is telling a parable about money and how it consumes our life if we're irresponsible versus if we respond faithfully to God with our blessing of money. He says in verse 10 of of chapter 16 in Luke, he says, whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest, dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So the question for for us today is how are we responding to God in the midst of where we are? Are you being faithful with where God has placed you? It may just be that he has even more blessing in store for you. But for you to receive it, you need to be faithful with the amount that you have been trusted. The story of Joseph gives clear definition to this parable or this story that Joseph, or that Jesus is saying here. It goes beyond money. It goes to the very heart, as I said before, the very heart of the human condition. So what's going on in your life? What does faithfulness look like for you in this season that you are in? I don't know about you, but, but life can be pretty difficult at times. I know it can be pretty difficult for you as well. But in the midst of that difficult season, know that there are sprinklings of blessing. So the question is, how are you being faithful in the midst of that difficulty with your blessing? Jesus also says in John 12, 24 to 26, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. 
while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Today, as Christians, we, we have a distinct opportunity once again. Belief in Jesus is increasingly becoming uh, almost a fringe, unpopular, even disliked by some, and, and honestly hated by others' belief in Canada. And I think sometimes we see that here in Edmonton, too. We need and must understand who Jesus is and why we believe in him. Not only does the world need to hear about him, but we best make sure that we understand what we believe because we are going to have our beliefs challenged like never before in our lives. The need to be faithful with what God has entrusted us with is becoming more and more important. The need to be faithful in this season is upon us. What does being faithful look like to you in this season, at work or at school? What is God calling you to be faithful in and with? How can you respond like Joseph where you're at? How can you be faithful in this season at home with your energy, your time, your savings, and most importantly, your family? How can you be faithful with your friends, your church home here at TCC? The list goes on and on. And and honestly, guys, hear me out. I pray it isn't a taxing thought or discussion to have. But rather an exciting and encouraging one. You see, the more that we are faithful in this season, the more that we are faithful in the situations that we are in, in in the relationships that we are in, the more blessing that God is going to pour out over us. This is just basic Christianity. Jesus says in Matthew 7-11 that God delights in giving good gifts to his children. It's important to note that I'm not talking about the health and wealth gospel here. I am talking about the God-saving and redeeming gospel. The blessing that God pours out is not always necessarily what we want, but rather what we need and what God knows that will lead us to growing and helping us to become less of us, that, that selfish, nasty, sinful side of us who we battle with daily, but rather more like Jesus. That's what God is more concerned about. He is more concerned that we turn into the children that we were intended, we were intended to be. So know that if you're in a tough season, God may bring some stretching so that you will begin to look more like Jesus. This isn't an easy message to hear, I know. But this is a real life message of hope that says the pain that you are feeling may be continued to be felt for a season, but know that this season is going to come to an end. And at the end of that dark day comes a bright morning because God is with us. Amen? God has some amazing stuff planned and in store for you. Do you believe that? Much like Adam preached last week, we know the ending of the story. We know that Jesus, who conquered sin and death, 
and is, who is now is seated on his throne in heaven will return. And he will be the conquering king who will defeat all darkness in this world and will bring justice. We know that we as Christians already have our place secured, fixed in his kingdom. For as soon as we believed and confessed, the Bible says that we are saved. Today, this message is a message of blessing and hope, and I really hope you see what is happening with Joseph. Joseph's story could have been a ruined and dark story, but it isn't. And our story isn't either. Joseph's story is a but God kind of story. A story that says his life was destined to be over and ruined. But God interrupted and brought his presence and with it his blessing. I pray you find yourself in the midst of Joseph's story. Because this story may just be the season that you are in. But know that even in your story there is a but God moment coming. God isn't done with Joseph, and he isn't by any means done with you yet. As we continue to read Joseph's story over the coming weeks, we will find out how God continues to bless him, and through blessing him, blesses a multitude of people. I believe and know that God has some amazing things planned for each and every single one of us here today. You may be in the middle of a season like Joseph, feeling betrayed, alone, and know that but God. That but God moment, as true as it was for Joseph, will be true for you today. God will bless you and is blessing you with his presence. And he will give you the strength to carry on. He will allow you to prosper, meaning succeed in the season. By God, your story is not done today and will only ever be done when we are complete, made, reunited with him and his kingdom. God had Joseph. He held him. He watched him. He blessed him. And the same is true for you today. So do life with God like Joseph. Allow him to put that but God into situations of your life. Let God respond to your faithfulness. Allow the blessing of God to bring you peace, hope, and life into every situation and every season that you face. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for stories like Joseph. God, it's just so incredible how much you truly do love us. The fact that you came and, and died on a cross for us, for me, for each and every single one of us, God, it, it is astounding. It, it blows us away. That you, our God, our creator, would think that we are worthy. So God, I I pray that that would sink in for us today. That you love us so much. That you just want to bless us and give us good gifts. God, I I know um, in in the dark seasons and those dark times, Lord God, those difficult moments when, when we're facing them, it is tough. To see the good in it. It is tough to trust and know that this season will come to an end. And and there will be a good season that comes. 
So God, I pray for those people who are really struggling this morning with whatever is going on in their life, that they would seek and know that you are here with them. That you have never left them. That you are going to give them the strength to carry on. That you are going to protect them, look after them, and see them through. God, we know that you are not done yet. And so, God, we just pray that you would give us eyes to see what is coming ahead. God, we love you. We want to worship you with our lives. We, we want to respond in faithfulness, much like Joseph did. So, God, give us moments where we can respond in faith, trusting that you are going to come through, trusting that you are still good, that you are still God, and that you still got it. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.